episode 355 of Global from Asia, the sourcing evolution or the evolution of sourcing, remote remote work, catching up with our buddy Rico, and it's been like kind of like a yearly update of the developments of you know sourcing and working with the team in China from outside. Let's tune in today. It's globalfromasia.com slash sourcing evolution. Let's do this. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to or watch me. It's a dark background. You know, I'm like still like prefer the audio, but a lot of people like video and it's easier and you can see me doing a little talk here we also have of course today's interview also in video format you can check that out at globalformasia.com slash tv i believe and of course globalformasia.com slash podcast is our our main place to get this and today's show is sourcing dash evolution it's globalformasia.com slash sourcing evolution rico hosted source host at Made in China podcast, source from, from Asia. He is doing, you know, he's been going through a huge, huge transformation, you know, uh, all of us have. We met in person, you know, we did a podcast a couple years ago now. Isn't that crazy? A year and a half ago. And then we also did a podcast last year and two years. Basically, for those that follow these shows, you, you've seen us progress his moving out of China, learning how to have a team in China without him being there. Then it kind of had to actually got forced to happen because he was outside when the border closed. I barely made it back in myself. And we had this conversation, of course, about normal travel, sourcing with the PPE stuff, how that went, moving to be more and more online. You know, how it's some also some nuggets about the HR processes he uses. And I got some tips on that. And then we have we have a lot of fun and it's an interesting conversation, some jokes, and a little bit of a funny one, a really funny one. I'll save it for after, but basically my stuff stuck in Manila was moved to his his place right after this show. <laughs> so we can talk about that in the blah 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 session. Of course, always show notes and links, and I believe there's a little bit of a deal or a coupon for his program on our show notes at globalformation.com slash sourcing dash evolution. Let's tune into the show. And of course, thank you to our sponsor, Mercury.com, a USA bank account without needing to fly to America. I've done, I've used them now for a couple of businesses we do here in the Globe from Asia community. And I bring in partners that might not be American and it's okay. Or you don't have to have anybody that's an American to do a US bank account for your US business. Travis Price has been on our cross-border matchmaker. They're our ongoing sponsor. Really appreciate them. And honestly, the offer is amazing. There's no application fee. It's totally online, virtual cards. It uh, works for your Amazon Seller Central and other deals. So we also even give you an extra cash bonus if you use it enough. You And that'll also a little bit go back to the show. So globalformasia.com slash Mercury to learn more. I did a video tutorial on others. Thank you, Mercury, for supporting us. All right. Thank you, everybody, for choosing us to another Global From Asia podcast. I'm losing track with Rico how many times we've been, we're both podcasters and, and you know, do movers and shakers. So it's multiple, multiple times we've had him. But it's great, as always, to have Rico back on the show, CEO at Source Find Asia and podcast host of Made in China podcast. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. 
How are you doing, buddy? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I just, you know, I mean, we've been, I've been in the Philippines now for <laughs> yeah. oh, since February last year. So, and it's just one of those things where I didn't expect to be here this long. Like, I mean, obviously I wanted to move here, oh, but man. I was supposed to be going back and forth between here and China. I, so actually I'm going to ask on the recording for fun. I have stuff still yeah. there in storage. And then my, our one, I think you met Gautier. He helped me move out of my apartment yeah. in BGC because I could yeah. He had in storage, but he moved. I don't know if I want to reveal too much, but he's in the U.S. and he's not coming back. And I think his apartment's moving, and he stuff got moved to one of my team's apartments. But it's kind of actually. I might ask you. To, I have like a big luggage check. Luggage. You don't got to answer me if you don't want. But I'm trying to figure out where to put that. It's somewhere in, where, where in it? right now, like my belongings. I could, I, I could keep it. I, have <laughs> I don't want to put. But I was like, you know, this would be fun to put on a. Sh- this is our life right now, man. And I got st- I got a car in Thailand that we my wife keeps it's her car, but renting out to other random people. And then luckily mm-hmm. we have you know friends there and stuffs and storages like all of us, like you and me. I, I if you had told when we sat down, I still think back to that. I know we did a podcast in between, but when we sat down for that like afternoon of content with the videos yeah. together in Manila, you were just coming. To Manila, you said right. You were just moving, and I was there for yeah. No, and I wasn't even technically at that stage. I wasn't technically moving. I was just kind of like a refugee between <laughs> between China and, and you know. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna be here for like a couple of weeks, and then you know, when things open up in China again, I'm going back. I and know. Then, yeah, it just was one of those things. I was like, oh, I'll wait it out, and it's- but then at the I had it in the back of my mind that maybe who knows? Like I'll, I remember I was in the gym that time period and i was like i just had one of those epiphany thoughts where i was like what if this is like the, i'm supposed to be moving here but what if this is the moment that i moved like i've moved here without knowing that i moved here <laughs> and and i was i was right you know yeah man i mean i i was moving out and i i didn't know i was moving out and i took a yeah. carry-on luggage to to a behold like i think the day after your our meeting and then i never went back <laughs> And yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's been crazy for all of us. So, and I think the craziest was it's, it's like you said, it's been a year and a, a half now since that show, we did a podcast in between in like a year ago and we don't know when I still don't know, actually, that's a good question. Maybe to open, when do you, do you have a forecast of travel again, normal or what is your well no normal travels that's that's a question in terms of like is travel ever going to be normal in the way that we think of normal it's true uh, right? i don't think so because it's like you you know they're gonna there's gonna be a stage where countries are just going to require people everyone to have a vaccine and you know the vaccine passports and all this stuff it's already kind of happening so that's a little bit of a I think there's going to be an adjustment there. I wonder if, I wonder if masks are always going to be a requirement when you travel and stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's strange. I mean, I haven't been on a plane since that time period, so I, I don't even know what it's like to go through an airport and go through immigration and, you know, all that stuff. But in terms of me, I was, I've been kind of waiting for the borders to open up here. You know, you always hear rumors that it's going to be September or whatever, but, you know, you never know. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's like I'm kind of waiting for the borders to open up. But at the same time, you know, I love the Philippines, but like this has been one. I think the Philippines has had the longest lockdown in the world, and also kind of a strict 
at times very strict lockdown with the guns which, and stuff you know, yeah i mean like, <laughs> so many security guards which, have which like machine be, guns and stuff I've, yeah i mean I've, I, I've gotten used to that like seeing, seeing <laughs> shotguns and stuff like that um but yeah it's it's a, can be a little bit like bad for your mental and physical health i think so it's like one of those things i'm like all right at some stage something's got to give either you know things open up again or you know i have to think about going somewhere else until things get back to normal here yeah that is true i mean they are really strict there i mean even before covid i mean i guess they have some per reason i mean if the hospitals you know get i guess the reason is if the hospitals fill up you know it'll be really traumatic and yeah i mean there were yeah for sure it was a lot to do with the overwhelming amount of of people getting sick and then the hospitals being overrun and then also just you know, I mean, the Philippines is still a developing country, so it's like they can't really afford to have all these sick people and, and have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the easiest solution was to let's try and control the the amount of people getting sick by making sure that everybody stays at home. You know, which I guess has kind of worked, but at the same time has tanked like the economy. You know what I mean? So like, there's so many. This one of the I mean one of the things I loved about this place was all the interesting rest. Like when people think about Southeast Asia, they, I don't think they realize that, you know, you come to a place like Manila or BGC and you have, you know, a hipster scene, you have, you know, international cuisines, you have really cool locally owned businesses that are like uh, Asian, American, French fusion. You have interesting jazz bars and things like that. Just really unique stuff. Some of it very reminiscent of, of North America, but a lot of it is very unique to here. And yeah. it's just a vibrant culture. So a lot of those restaurants, a lot of those, you know, nightclubs or jazz bars and things like that are, are gone. And, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take for those places to come back, you know? I know, man. I mean, I know. I mean, I think, you know, Macaulay's Bar in Shenzhen, you know, that it's like mm. a chain. At least they had, it's like the Irish and some of them have Mexican. Yeah, they, had, they had Macaulay's in, in Guangzhou as well. I don't know about Guangzhou, but I just, at least I heard... All three of them in Shenzhen have been closed now, closed down. I'm the one in Guangzhou. I'm not sure if it's still open, but it was a staple. There was there was one. There was two in Guangzhou actually, but I haven't I haven't heard anything about it. Oh, yeah, so I know it's. I, I mean, so like it's back to normal travel for me. Just to answer on my side a little bit, I think probably the end of the year. I'm hoping, but I felt like I said that probably even on our last podcast. So <laughs> that was last year. I thought the end of last year, but yeah, we, we, we just don't know. So, I mean, I guess how is, how is it, you know, we checked in a year ago and then we also had that in-person catch up. How, you know, how is business sourcing? You know, how's, how's that? How's that? When wrong? we I mean, spoke, I feel like when we spoke in June, that was like in the middle of all the PP stuff, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that time period it was like that was madness, insane. Insanity. That was truly, truly insane. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. I was talking to my business partner last night, and and you know we do a lot of work with some of the EC people, right? Yep. Like EC students, if you will. And you know he was talking to one of the guys, and you know there's one dude who said something about like, oh, you know, last year when we were trying to contact. Rico and his team, they weren't responsive. And then I was I was just thinking about I was like, when was this? And he was like during like April, May or something. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, un- 
I was like, first of all, I don't, I, I think any, any service-based business that was uh, any business really during the middle of COVID, I think you have to understand like, you know, some people paused or whatever, but specifically with our industry, like it was impossible for us to work on the usual stuff that we were doing while having to do all this PPE stuff. So I remember that time period because we had to actually expand the team, like, but like we had to double the size of the company in like a week, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, wow. was, it was insane. So like, yeah, I was just thinking about that when when you mentioned it. But yeah, since that time period, I mean, we had a we had a good run with the the PP stuff. Obviously, that died like almost overnight, and then try to transition back into regular business. But I think last year was a little bit slow. I think since we started this year. After, just before Chinese New Year, things have began to pick up again, kind of back to back to usual business. And speaking of that, like I mean, one of the things that I I, I guess the good part about things slowing down last year it allowed me to focus on some of the other stuff that I've been thinking about doing, sure. which was creating a, a manufacturing course. Great. So we just decided, like in November, December, it was like let's just pull the trigger, and I had. An interesting conversation with this guy. I believe his name is Eric Yang. And before that, I was thinking about, okay, if we launch a course, how would we launch it? We'll probably do it through a webinar or something like that, which is what we used to, what we usually did. And he just gave me the idea of doing like a digital summit, which would be basically a, a, a digital conference. And obviously, you know a lot about this stuff. But the idea was just like, okay, get a bunch of your people in your network to you know, kind of give a presentation that would be evergreen. That you know, it's a one-time thing, but you kind of deliver it like it's live, and and it, and it can go on and on for years. Of course, you can improve the presentations as you go and stuff like that, and then use that to promote the the actual course. So, you know, we it's taken it's been a labor of love in some aspects, but it's you know, we we November, December, January, I recorded like. 15 different presentations plus Q&As, which was about, when I tallied it up, it was like a little bit over 20 hours of of, of presentations and interviews in in the space of like two months. And yeah, so we we are, it's called SFADigitalSummit.com. And so that's a digital summit. It's completely free to sign up for. You just have to submit your email. And Jamie Michelini is one of the speakers, of course. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, uh, I won. I, we did it. I, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a speaker. Mike, I'm, my business partner Mike is a speaker. Like we had, you know, Megla. I'm sure who's familiar to your audience. We had a lot of we had a lot of interesting people talking about anything from how to build an Amazon business that you can sell to the actual marketing of it, marketing for e-commerce, Facebook ads developing your own products from scratch like manufacturing we had andy church talk about qc awesome. uh, shipping logistics like basically if you followed that because there's three days of the summit wow. basically if you followed like day one is like kind of building your audience researching your product kind of the creation of the business and the branding and then day two is the actual sourcing and production and and qc and then day three is like shipping logistics, building the e-commerce side of it, building your, your your platforms and where to sell, how to sell. I think your presentation was on leveraging a, a community to 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 market your your services and, and goods. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty proud of what we put together because I think it's really really good stuff. Like, and it's mutually beneficial to everybody because, you know, you're getting this amazing content for free, and then for the 
speakers, uh, you know, these are potentially clients, right? These are potentially um, leads for them in all these areas. So it's like almost like a one-stop shop, right? Like you go there, you you find your Facebook guy, you find your sourcing person, you find your QC person, you find your logistics person. You, you know, what I mean, you could kind of um, leverage all those services. And then the course itself, we call the SPY method, which is sourcing, production, import, and export. And that's just ba- it's essentially all the standard operating procedures in our company that I've kind of just put together into step-by-step presentations. And I'm trying to keep them short like the, um, some of the presentations are hard to keep short but i wanted to keep them around like five to seven minutes okay so that they're kind of like consumable like that so yeah that's the big thing that we're we're working on right now besides the usual sourcing side of the business yeah i mean it makes sense to move more on yeah have more online products yep. more online business adapting i mean we're all all of us are adjusting. We have to adjust, you know, to to more online. And we, we were always doing it anyways. You know, a lot of us online marketers, digital nomads, travelers. But now we're we're using that skills and we have to actually execute stuck wherever we're stuck. You're stuck in Manila. I'm, I'm stuck here in Shenyang. And but it, yeah, and, and the, I mean, it it just makes sense because I mean, it's not just me who can't go. I mean, I could go to China, but it's not easy to go to China. And I know for a lot of people. You know, for example, if you wanted to take off two, three weeks from your from your job or from from you know your business to go to China and source, like you're gonna spend two, three weeks in quarantine. So by the time by the time you're done with your quarantine, you have to go back, right? So yeah, I think for a lot of the people that maybe want to do want to source from China, but maybe don't have the funds to go there or don't have the time to go there, you know, doing this summit, taking the course is like a it's a good way of doing it. That's true. That's true. Yep. And then, so I, you know, back, you know, we've, we've followed your story over the last, you know, I think every, at least once a year, we have you on the show, at least for the last three or four years. And what was it like 2019? We were having you about moving to online team and then 20, or maybe that's 2018 was when I was in Thailand, you were in China. And then we met in Philippines in 2019, did the in-person. Oh, 2020. Oh, at the very beginning of 2020, yeah. Yeah, I think 2019, early 2019, we were talking. Well, not yeah, early 2019, we were talking about. I my biggest struggle at that time was because I was thinking of I was traveling more, and then I was trying to figure out how I could handle paying my staff, and ha- and managing the business. Yeah. Remotely in that aspect. Yeah. And I think we we talked about one of the guys that was on your podcast who had you know horror story with his employee kind of, you know, stealing his. Yeah. His yeah. Steve like Marsh, you listen to those. So, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. So, and, and I ended up listening to his podcast and I was, I was intrigued. Um, I think it's, a, like I said at the time, I think it's a little bit different because a lot of his business model was based around, you know, his contacts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like working, like billing the clients through the factories and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of our stuff is, and also the other aspect I remember was, like, I don't think he was controlling necessarily all of the money, mm-hmm. the payments. So that was another aspect where I was like, with us, we, like our clients mostly pay the factories directly. And then we take separate consulting fees. And then I still control the, you know, the payments and things like True. that. So I think as long as you're controlling the money, you still have yeah. Some, some, yeah. And also, I think another thing I said is like, for us, a lot of our clients work with us because they trust me so if one of my employees approached them directly 
I don't think they would necessarily bite. Like they're not going to get any benefits from it. It's not like they're going to get cheaper products or anything like that, you know? Yeah. I also think another yeah. difference is he, he was more a trading trading company where you're more like a service provider, you know, like you yeah. just said, plus he focused in one specific, I think in speakers. Niche, yeah. Yeah. So even a customer probably would want to bypass him because Eventually, they want because they probably want to get it direct, or at least they're not. They're probably trying to get it. At a, it's all about a lot of not all about, but a lot about price, right? Or yeah, it's a little bit of a different like model than yours. Your your value. Yeah, add. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. With us, like sometimes clients come from working directly with suppliers to to wanting to work with us and not handle that side of things right like it's like a it's one of those things like sometimes people work in reverse i, I mean it's have we had i don't think we've had too many clients that left us because they wanted to get lower prices from the factory like it was more clients that we built a supply chain for over you know the uh, space of one to two years and then it kind of became sort of automated right like it became a situation where it's like you have good suppliers reliable suppliers shipping and, and production and all that stuff you have the same partners every single time uh, yeah. you know when to do your qc when to schedule your shipments you know it's, yeah. it was becomes a situation where they feel like they can maybe hire internally and and manage it and even then they still those clients will still come to us when you know there's new products to source or maybe they need some additional help with something you know so yeah Agreed. Okay. And yeah, so, so then your managers, every, your core team, your team, you said it's grown. And the, I remember uh, the, you have a female, I hate to say female, but your manager that you were kind of, it felt like you were, she kind of grew in organically, internally. That's all going fine, yeah. everything. Yeah, she's basically at this stage CEO without the title. Okay. <laughs> you know, but, you know, she's, no, she's good. Like, especially during this time period, that's one of the interesting things has been the PPE stuff in any other situation I would have been in China, right? Like, because I would have wanted to be there with these large orders and, you know, be there actually maybe even physically in the factories, like overseeing True. stuff. I don't know how feasible that would have been with the restrictions, but uh, just being in China would have made a difference and I couldn't, and she handled everything pretty well. And we've had another, maybe one or two situations where, you know, I would have gone to China to, yeah. to, to be there for those projects. And, you know, she figured like the most recent one is we are one of our oldest clients, you know, they're a CrossFit company and they've gotten to a stage right now where, you know, we've been working with them for like five years. They've expanded their team or expanded their orders and the size of their orders to a stage where they need to have a full-time physical presence around in and around the factories. Okay. Uh, and then we've got like three or four different suppliers. So we're building what we call like a quality management system for them. Essentially awesome. what that means is like we have employees for them that go to the factories on a daily basis that inspect goods, but also deal with the negotiations and, and, you know, talk to the management team and all that stuff. And then we have, we create standard operating procedures for the team in China around and just daily work but also around the QC and shipments and things like you have to build essentially you're building their company in China if you if you will right and then 
I'm having, you know, Imogen, our our CEO, like basically she had to fly to to Qingdao for two weeks and, and you know, train the new employees. And then she's flying there every month for wow. know, three, four, five days at a time to oversee. And, you know, so it's like one of those things where she went. And the interesting thing about the QMS stuff, this is the, this is the second time we've done it on this scale. It's like uh, it's like detective work, man. Like, because when you go there, like you find out all this, all these issues, right? Because before that, you know, clients paying pay us a consulting fee, but the consulting fee was it's limited to a certain scope of what we can do with our time, right? So he was saying, okay, I want to expand because you know there's certain factories that he was managing, and then there's certain factories that we were managing, and the stuff that we were managing was okay, and he was dealing with a lot of issues. And, you know, he couldn't sort of handle everything because th- their orders are getting bigger and they have more shipments, more documents, more, you know, more QC issues to kind of follow up with. And then when you go there and you start like investigating why there th- these QC issues exist, you start to realize like, oh, this supplier that, you know, he's been dealing with and they, they have two, three other suppliers that they're sourcing from. And, and that's why the, you know, the, the product quality is inconsistent. You find out that, you know, maybe the, the contact that he was talking to was an agent and that contact has changed factories two or three times. You know what I mean? It's like those kind of things that you only really understand if you're physically there. Yep. And then you start to create some parameters around that where, you know, you, you start making sure that the factories that you're working with don't outsource to two, three different suppliers. Like they, if they have to work with the supplier separately, they work with one. And, and then you're, you know, having the team there on a daily basis keeps them kind of on their toes and honest. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting process. It's a lot of work, but it's it's kind of fascinating. Got but it. the to make a long story short, the the point is like she's had to do that stuff by herself. She's had to not by herself, but like without me being there physically. Obviously, you know, we talk every day and through Zoom and and Slack and stuff like that. But she's had to solve some quite big problems in real time by herself and she's done it pretty effectively that's great to hear i mean that's that's obviously a really huge huge asset for sure and uh i'm sure she knows and then i'm just trying to get some other updates so that's that's a huge one and then it's all remote is there office now did it's all working remotely or how's that we still we still have a a space just because we need to have um, somewhere to ship samples and ship out samples but really, you know, most, I mean, we were remote even before, like in 2019, my staff, when I was traveling a lot, you know, I allowed them to start working from home and just coming into the office like once or twice a week. So for the most part, I, I think they all work from, from home and then they, you know, um, the CEO Imogen will go in like once a week to the office and stuff. But yeah, we just keep a small space just to ship and receive samples. And if we need to have like a meeting or something like that, then... If when I go back to China, I want to obviously have a space to work out of. Okay, it's it's nice to know. And then, what's well, what's next? What's the plan? What's what's your vision? I think in terms of what's next, I mean, it's really just trying to try. I'm trying to push forward with the the digital assets and and the course. Okay, I think I think I want to help a lot of people get more educated about the process there's a lot of courses about how to sell there's a lot of courses about you know how to design a product or how to crowdfund 
like hundreds of thousands of courses, right? Like there's a lot of information out there, but there isn't that many courses about the actual manufacturing process that makes sense, you know, yeah. that, are, that are extensive. And, and I, I just feel like there's a huge underserved market because what tends to happen is we, we work with a lot of startups. We work with a lot of entrepreneurs and we've, we've created ancillary services where if you can't afford to pay us project management, right? you can order factory research report from us where we, you know, we research a bunch of suppliers, we put together a concise report and we give it to you and turn over the keys and say, here's, here's the factory. And, you know, we've explained your project, you know, we've gone through all the details back and forth and all that stuff. That's great. But then you're still, you're still giving somebody a, a factory who doesn't have experience. Like the, 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 the buyer doesn't have experience yeah. over the, the production process. So what tends to happen sometimes is even though the factory themselves is a good factory, the buyer just doesn't know how to monitor the production or they don't know how to communicate certain things. And then, you know, they'll come back to us and say, I'm having an issue with this. And when in reality, it's just a communication issue or it's just an aspect of, they didn't know how to set up a contract or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or they, they didn't know how to schedule a QC or handle the shipping process. So, and those are things that, you know, if you pay us project management, we do all that stuff for you. But I just, I just started to think, I was like, okay, if, they, if people can't necessarily afford project management, then how do I help educate them about the whole process and then make it affordable? Okay. So, you know, I, I, that's kind of the goal with that. And then, of course, with the, with the sourcing side of the business, it's always been, I think, I don't know if I said this before on your show, but. You know, when I first started, I was like, oh, you know, let's build it as big as possible and all that stuff. And when I got, it was like 2017, we moved into our second office. It was a bigger space, nicer building, hired. I think at that time, we probably had like seven or eight full-time employees. Like I'd hired like three or four full-time employees that summer. Um, I had three already, and then I hired three or four more. We moved into the big office, and it's like everything was going great. And then... And then one of our largest clients dropped, like not dropped, but they basically said, we're not going to renew the contract because they were going in a different direction with their entire business. They weren't uh, going to be doing physical products in China anymore. Wow. And now I was like, okay, <laughs> Jeez. I had uh, all this overhead and uh, now revenue had like dropped by, I think 30, 40%, 30%, I think at the time, because that client was such a big big revenue driver for us. Ouch. And before that, year after year after year with that client, it was always expanding. It was always mm. expansion, right? It was always like we went from doing one product to four to six to eight. And obviously with every single time we expanded, our financial you know, agreements with them also expanded. So I'm in my mind, I'm thinking at the very minimum, we're going to either keep it the same or we're going to go up. Right? Got it. And then they canceled. So it was like, it was a big lesson for me because it was like, and then at the same time, there was an issue that I had with one of my employees where she, we, we had to let her go, but I wasn't as educated about the contracts process in China. Yeah. So I guess she said we were in breach of like labor laws and whatever. And yeah, that's nothing to sue us. Yeah, yeah she threatened to sue us. So at the same time, you know, the revenue goes like this. I have crazy overhead and this employee is threatening to sue us. <laughs> so 
So <laughs> it was an, it was a stressful time, Mike. Yeah. But anyways, like basically, I settled with her, and then we basically had to make budget cuts. So I had to let go of some other some of the other staff. And it just made me think about it, and and then we the next when our contract was up at the the office, we moved into a slightly smaller space in the same building. And then I just thought about it. I was like, well, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't think the expansion thing was necessary because I had hired a bunch of project management people, which wasn't necessarily driving revenue, right? Like, and I also realized that we can maximize if we improve our systems we can maximize the amount of output that each person can do rather than just hiring more people to do the work. Right. Yeah. So that's what I kind of rejigged there. And then I said, okay, how do we, you know, how do we systemize a little bit more with our project management where one person can handle X amount of projects or like 10 projects versus five or something like that. And then you kind of break it down and realize like, wait, we can improve here. We can improve there. We can systemize this. We can systemize that. And then the next thing was I started, I decided to take a page out of the the companies I used to work for, I used to sell clothing back in Toronto. Like I used to work oh, in, really? in the clo- clothing stores, RW and Co, Abercrombie and Fitch, stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, you know the way they do it is when you're working part time, there's a pool of people, right? Like, and you know you you're all like clamming to get hours, right? And they'll just like tell you every week or every two weeks, like this is the schedule for the next two weeks, and then you you check the schedule and say, oh, okay, cool, I got eight hours this week i got 10 hours next week so i was like why don't i just do that why don't we create a pool of part-time employees and yeah. then we'll have a core of our full-time employees and then and then as as needed if we have projects that are larger or whatever we increase hours and you know if it's slow we decrease hours so that's okay. those are the two things that i changed so i decided as well at that stage i'd rather run a smaller boutique sourcing company that deals with less clients where we charge a premium yeah. than have a, you know, a hundred projects where we're, you know, charging less money. So we start to also increase the cost of our services and stuff. So, yeah. So in, in that side of things, the goal is always to continue to attract premium clients, the kind of clients that we like to work with and keep the team, the core team uh, tight and just keep improving on that side. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I guess we're getting towards a wrap up. I think always like, let's add some tips for, for somebody listening, you know, 2021 and beyond, you know, trying to get in, trying to get some products, sourcing, selling on, you know, what, what are you noticing from, from, from like, you know, from your clients, new people, like what's some trends of how people are adjusting? I mean, in terms of the trends, I think right now, the interesting thing is, Co- like COVID, you you'd assume because China has been supposedly you know open for <laughs> such a long time, you weren't expecting things to kind of shut down again. But Guangzhou just went through, and Southern China as a whole just went through another lo- another lockdown. And I think you always have to be aware that it's a possibility. And what happens with that is like the productions themselves haven't changed. It's more about the shipping. The shipping lines get like I mean just the fact that. They start to control movements between cities. So okay. you have, you know, backed up trucks that are trying to take goods from Dongwan to Shenzhen, which would usually be like, you know, a six hour drive or whatever, turns into like a two day affair because they have to stop somewhere and like all yep. the stuff. They have to have the stuff inspected. The drivers have to, you know, prove that they're they're not carrying COVID. So I think really just making sure that 
and I mean, if you didn't learn this lesson last year, then I don't know, I don't know what else to, to tell you. But just making sure that you plan ahead, like making sure that you plan ahead with your productions. If you're doing products on a regular basis, if you have consistent business in the same product, like try to make sure that you're not in a situation where, if things stop moving in China, you don't have goods coming into the country or you don't have uh, stock. Mm. So I'd say that's something to keep in mind: is like just make sure that you know you're you're comfortable in that space with regards to people that are launching new products i think just me i think it's more important than ever to be educated about the process because you can't just physically go to china and do it i think it's really important to really understand how sourcing and production works but the second part is i, I think you really have to rely on partners more and more right like yeah i like that one that is a good point yeah i mean i am i'm having to rely on my team in china like literally my employees more than I did, more than I have ever done. Yeah, I like problem that. Problem solving and things like that. But yeah, really relying on partners, finding good partners on yeah. the ground. Yeah, it's uh, it's super important because you can't physically go to China. So, you know, awesome, buddy. Well, always, you know, good to catch up and getting some some nuggets here. I'm even taking a couple of notes. We got a double header, so we're going to also do a show on your podcast, Cross, you know, as always. And I think we'll jump into that one. And the last part, I think you dropped some links already, but, you know, links or, or, or things you want to highlight for people to follow up or find more. Yeah, just at sfadigitalsummit.com. I think by the time this episode gets released in a couple of weeks, like we should yeah. be in full flow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you just have this. It's again, the summit is free. You just need your email address. Great. It's a three-day three day affair, you know, 14, 15 pr- different presentations and Q&As. Awesome. Lots of great value. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Thanks, Rico, as always. And we'll have pricey where you're at. Hopefully in one year, maybe we can do an in-person re- interview somewhere. Yeah, yeah I hope, yeah. man. I hope. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Rico. Always a pleasure. I'm losing track how many times he's been on the show, at least five times or more. I mean, we got 355 episodes, and it's you know it's kind of become this like yearly update of his his I would say growth and development from you know building a team locally in Guangzhou. We had that a few years ago, and then like I said, he was starting to learn how to build a team running without him there, and then traveling, and then of course the border just came up in March 2020. So I wonder how you all are doing. We'll try to link up the other show notes shows in the in this in this episode. And I said at the beginning, we moved some stuff over to him, Jan. My stuff is, you know, got here, a buddy here, helped me move out of my apartment remotely from Manila because I had to evacuate from Cebu to China directly. Luckily, I did that before the border closed. After that, uh, friends moved me out. Got here, thank you. I'm pretty sure you listened to these shows. Thank you for that. And they went to Jan's place because he he's not in Philippines anymore. And then Jan didn't have so much space and other things. So we just sent it over to Rico. It's always within this Manila area. <laughs> but my like big roller bag of stuff and backpack is now at Rico's <laughs> in BGC. Not too far from where I was before, but... I'm wondering when I'll ever see that stuff again. You know, when will the world be back to normal? When can we travel again? But, you know, for me, I've, we're fully online. We got forced to be online. I mean, we used to do these in-person events. That was actually kind of like the, I guess, bread and butter or one of the ways we would bring our community together. Of course, support the show, support our sponsors, Cross-Border Summit. Not sure when that's going to happen again, to be honest. But 
we did a cross-border matchmaker online in May and we're playing another one. And, you know, people really liked it. We have our members, online members call. Actually, people are enjoying it. GFAVIP.com. We, we're diving deep. I'm giving some business opportunities there first before it goes out to the podcast or to the public with some interesting deals. Honestly, I'm working on a new project right now. I think I maybe, excuse me, mentioned it on, on an interview or so, but giving some opportunities first to our members, trying to adapt and keep it fair for those that support us that way. Of course, we always appreciate you all for listening and sharing the show and, and others. I got my, my son gave me this Bitcoin. It's not a real Bitcoin, of course, but it's a metal coin for those listening. And I found a bullet shell in China, like an empty bullet you know, shell. So it's just some weird stuff going on. Anyway, you can, if you're on the video, you can take a look. I think I'm going to wrap it up here. We're keeping these every other week. We got one already lined up. We got Mirasol. She's an amazing Filipina singer and artist talking about her journey to uh, traveling around Asia. And it's, it's a really fascinating conversation. We already did the interview. That'll be up in a couple of weeks. And till next time, see you later. Share this, like this. That's all appreciated. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.